the bellwether we're focused on is what technologies have um, that Venn diagram where they help COVID, but they also are useful even beyond COVID. And, and kind of what's in that overlap period is, is really kind of like a helpful um, filtration process for us to say, like, okay, this is a great thing to go invest in. You're listening to Sports Tech Feed, the global sports technology podcast. Hello and welcome to Sports Tech Feed. I'm your host, Thomas Loams. Great to have you join us again this week. And on today's show, we have Andrew Shannon, uh, Director of Emerging Technology for AMB Sports and Entertainment, which encompasses the Atlanta Falcons, Atlanta United FC, and Mercedes-Benz Stadium, all out of Georgia. So uh, if you're like me, you would know Andrew in the industry, the things that he's doing. I'm very excited to have him on the show, and he's, he's been kind of top of my um, wish list. So Andrew's a technologist with a background in IoT and big data product development. His career is centered around technology, first in consulting, then building a startup, and now is an innovator in residence for AMBSE. Andrew is an Atlanta native, attending Georgia State University for his undergrad, Georgia Tech for his MBA and MSCS. Andrew originally got his start in tech entrepreneurship during his MBA when he co-founded Asperium Technologies. Later, he envisioned and commercialized many new products uh, and featured at Microsoft. So including Windows Inc., Windows Focus Assistant, and Windows Timeline while on the Windows team, and then switching over to Azure with Azure Sphere, Azure Time Series Insights uh, with their Azure IoT engineering team. So deep technology background matched with entrepreneurship and then just general kind of love of um, everything Atlanta there. So he's working on some fascinating stuff and and really um, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium as, as one of the kind of newest... Um, and most innovative forward-thinking venues has been, I guess, in my eyes, validated through the the coronavirus um, COVID nineteen pandemic. And really, that's what we talk about is is a lot about how how they've been future proofing it. It's all these things that they've had in the pipeline, and now coming into um, obviously shutdown, pandemic issues with health um, as an element of um, fan security. Um, it's all these innovations and technology innovations that they're now ha- being able to rapidly switch on, rapidly test um, that were either in their timeline or in their sphere. So that's that's enough of that of me for the introduction. I really want to dive into this interview. So uh, the last thing I'll say is show notes, as always, are available on sportstechfeed.com. You can also contact me, Thomas Alomes, on thomas at sportstechworldseries.com, also on LinkedIn. Thomas Alomes, A-L-O-M-E-S. Always uh, looking forward to hearing from our listeners um, and really enjoy kind of taking the conversation forwards um, from the episode from there. So please feel free to reach out. I'll also include some of Andrew's details on the show notes if you'd like to reach out to him uh, personally in in what they're doing. And that's all I've got to say for now. Over to Andrew Shannon, Director of Emerging Technology for AMB Sports and Entertainment. Andrew Shannon, welcome to Sports Tech Feed. Great to have you on the show. Thanks so much, Thomas. Great to be here. So can you outline a few of your responsibilities at AMB Sports and Entertainment and also share what that encompasses? Yeah, absolutely. So um, for the organization AMBSE, uh, we we have three primary entities that, that we're responsible for. The Atlanta Falcons, the NFL club, uh, the Atlanta United, which is our MLS team, and then Mercedes-Benz Stadium, uh, which is one of the most advanced stadiums in the world. Um, my time's generally split uh, primarily, uh, I'll say about 70% of my time is focused on the stadium and fan experience. 
Um, the remaining 30% of my time is split across the two clubs. Um, and obviously we have, there's other parts of the broader business that sometimes I'll contribute to, but, but that's a pretty good ratio of sort of how I spend my time. Um, I, you know, I, I consider my responsibilities and, and sort of what I'm tasked with internally um, is really divided into three buckets. The first is identification of technology to support our goals. So, you know, obviously we care deeply, deeply about the fan experience and our products on the field, our, our, two, our two teams. Um, so, you know, anything that's, that's improving that fan experience, making it a better game day for fans or a better concert, you know, obviously we do other things at the stadium as well. That's kind of first and foremost, um, keeping our team safe. You know, obviously I, I, I definitely factor in there. Um, and that identification of technology typically is like, in general, is there a new, cool, interesting technology we should look at? Um, and then also kind of like peering out at adjacent industries. So, you know, um, the airline industry and, and, uh, the hotel industry, like, are, you know, these are, there's areas that are forced to advance. I will say a little bit faster than sports generally is. And so it's my responsibility to help identify kind of what's coming or there are novel technologies or novel approaches to existing technologies we can incorporate into our organization. Um, and, and so how do you actually go about, sorry to jump in there. How do you go about, uh, identifying that? Like, how do you, how do you identify what's next? Like, how do you stay on kind of finger on the pulse stuff? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. Obviously, there's um, everyone's got their own kind of mix of how they do this. My approach generally is um, is surround myself with a bunch of really smart people. So I participate in different councils, different organizations. Um, you know, it's it's been interesting because I'm actually able to participate in more now that everything is virtual than previously when everything was physical. Um, but really, you know, just trying to stay around smart people. I try to branch out um, the, more broadly than just sports. You know, again, I think that that folks in the hospital setting, folks who are dealing with loyalty and, you know, where every single moment uh, of their time is spent thinking about, like, how do I get someone to, to buy the same thing again? Um, which, again, I'll, I'll kind of point to the to the hotel and airline industries. Uh, these are great proxies for us. And so I, I try to associate myself with, with um, folks from both of those industries. Um, mm. I, you know, I, I also just generally am kind of a big nerd. And so I spend a lot of time, um, <laughs> you know, just, just whether it's, you know, reading TechCrunch or, you know, focusing on, um, you know, what's up and coming. Uh, I, I find myself reading some academia. Um, so you've got papers that kind of come out from time to time in different conferences for researchers. Yeah, I... I obviously don't spend 10 hours a day doing it, but um, I try where possible to, to surround myself with kind of like intelligent people's writings to see if I can yeah. pick something out. There's a, a, a directed and intentional internet spiral. Exactly. Um, like the YouTube spiral of, you know, you're on YouTube at 2 a.m. and then you find something, whatever it is, but it's, 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 it's saying, all right, well, this article is this article and that's referred. And, and then you kind of, you come across, you just explore, I guess. I, I, absolutely. And, and, and also just, you know, I, I will say the biggest kind of learning I've had in my career with this is be collaborative and be open because, um, mm. you know, I just, I just find the more that I'm willing to share, the more other people will. Um, and what's funny is that, you know, there's so many interesting approaches to different things, but, but what you, what, really you learn the most from is when people failed at something. Um, and people aren't always really open to talking about that. It's usually not what's published is a series of people's failures. Uh, but when you kind of create a collaborative kind of safe, trusting environment and curate some of those, those relationships with, with smart people who are willing to kind of 
test, um, you, you find some really rich conversations and, and some key learnings. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those relationships rather than like, um, I guess the, the PR team's not as keen to push out the failures. That, um, that, yeah, as that's, much as the successes. No, that's, that's right. Um, and just kind of um, continuing really quickly with some of the responsibilities. The other two are, you know, the, the second is innovation. Um, so this is just, you know, we already have a bunch of innovative folks. So it's not like I've got a, a monopoly on innovation in our company. Everybody in our organization is innovating. One of our core values is innovate continuously. What I um, think I bring to the table is um, a, a method to be able to do it and a, a focus on testing, piloting, beta, um, you know, we, we now work with more of our partners on earlier stage features, I would say, than probably before I came into the organization. Um, you know, I have a background in conducting research and I have a background in product management. Um, and so that kind of affords us just a little bit of expertise that we probably didn't have before in being able to do it. And then I'll say an investment in my time and my team's time in, in um, uh taking the time to pilot, taking the time to test and pressure yeah. test. Um, you know, and we've, we've done this in areas like IOT and spatial intelligence, um, and then in frictionless, which, you know, I think we may be talking a little bit about today, given some of what's on, you know, the, the, the global what's... forefront. Um, the, the last area that I, I drive for us is product management. Some of it's like related to the projects that I own. A lot of times though, I'm kind of, uh, I come in as, as a plumber, if you will. Um, so, you know, I've got a background in computer science. Um, you know, I spent the last six years prior to coming to this organization as a product manager at Microsoft and Azure IoT. Um, you know, I do spend a lot of time on architecture, prioritization, scenario planning, our roadmap dependencies, things like that. And um, given kind of where my broader team sits in our organization, which is sort of cutting across all these different, um, you know, business groups, I, I get a left to right view of, you know, if we invest here, what, what sort of impact and cascading effect does that have across the rest of our business? And so, you know, a lot of times I'm pulled in to kind of help think through and rationalize, like, how do we do it? What's the best approach? Who's best positioned to do it? Should we buy it? Should we do it ourselves, et cetera? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, so a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's, it's I, I think I have the coolest job in the world. So, so no, no complaints. I work for an awesome organization, uh, but you know, it's something new every day. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, and that point around um, testing and innovation is it's 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 the full life cycle of it of, of seeing a cool opportunity, whether it's at on tech TechCrunch at two in the morning when you're reading it and whatever that is, but then taking it into the organisation, testing it, um, doing some use cases with it, and then saying, well, is this something that we can roll out um, across the two teams and the uh, stadium? Yeah. So. You mentioned there a few elements. I mean, frictionless fan experience, that, that's definitely something we're going to talk about a lot, a lot today, both in the sense of um, the, the coronavirus and around safety and then also just more generally in the fan experience. Um, first of all, dealing with kind of COVID-19, coronavirus, all that kind of stuff, safety, I guess, is a, is a main issue, but also just expectations of fans. Has, has that really changed how you see the needs of your fans? As, as sports returns? Yeah, that's, that's a, it's a great question. And, and I'd say um, absolutely. And if anyone tells you otherwise, they're, they're, they're crazy. Um, you know, a couple of things that come to mind first is that, is that you know, s safety is, has always been something that we care about. We want to make sure that every fan that walks into our stadium feels safe. 
And we've generally thought about that in terms of security. Like, mm. are, you know, could you be injured? Uh, you know, are you going to be, I don't know, injured in some capacity is really the, the area we focused on. We want to keep weapons out. We want to keep knives out. We want to make sure that people aren't too drunk. Like, you know, just, just keeping you safe. But what I think this has really brought to the forefront is that germs are terrorists too. And we have to almost treat yeah. germs as though we're, we're trying to protect our stadium from, you know, a, a foreign attack. Um, and, and that's, that's obviously been a, a change for us um, in a prioritization. I mean, you know, I, it is incredible how many great technologies existed already. Um, you know, and you look at HEPA filtration and you look at antiviral fogging. Um, and then you look at how much, you know, I'll say like snake oil has come out of the woodwork. There's lots of companies mm. that have sort of popped up overnight and they're selling this, that and the other and making big promises. So a lot of, you know, my job has been kind of like trying to read. Um, interpret like, is this legitimate? Is it not legitimate? Um, a lot of calls with experts to try to help us discern that. Um, you know, I'll say just kind of anecdotally, one of the most fun ones um, has been getting to see us. Our, our, you know, one of our challenges is scale. So you can look at antimicrobial coatings, you can look at antiviral fogging, you can look at UV lighting um, or UVC lighting. The, the, the challenge is like, we have 2 million square feet in our stadium. And, our, and then you take our practice facilities and locker rooms and all this stuff, and it's, it's a really big problem. So we have to kind of lean into focus on what's the right area, what's, what are the right technologies that can help us scale. And one of the, the most fun ones that our sanitation team has been working on is, um, is, is drones that do antiviral fogging. So basically, like, you, you know, we've got a drone in the bowl of our stadium or like on the field spraying the 100 level um, in like 15 minutes. And, and yeah. so that's, that's obviously cool. Drones have been sort of like a pet project of mine. And so to kind of see some of this come to reality is like, oh. Um, and, that's, and that's probably learnings from, as you said, like IoT that's coming from, say, ag tech, like where drones are being used or trialed um, for crop, crop spraying. I mean, it's the same thing, massive area. And you go, all right, well, what can stadiums learn from farms? Like it's not the obvious transfer but it's it's technology that's that's the point it's 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 not a vertical the industries are verticals but the technology runs across all of them absolutely, and IoT absolutely. Is a prime example of that it, absolutely and then you know i'll just say like a lot of uh, and you know this is a theme that'll probably pop up during this conversation is that you know i feel like because of our continuous effort on learning and testing you know certain things aren't right when you first test them it's not the right time the use case isn't there the value prop isn't there the cost is not right you know, whatever that may be. But when you have, when you build that familiarity, when the thing comes around, you know, where now it's like, oh gosh, like we would have never, we sort of specifically didn't mm. want drones in the stadium. And now it's like, well, gosh, we've, we familiarized ourselves with it. And now here's this use case where this makes a lot of sense. Um, and so, you know, just, just kind of being ready and always being flexible enough to, to feel like we've got some level of familiarity with a, um, a technology really helps. It helps us be agile at least. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, the, the second thing, uh, the, the, I'll say more of kind of like a, a big picture item with this is really the, um, you know, in response to COVID and the fan experience is the regionalization of fan demands or fan wants and needs. So I've always kind of looked at fan experiences generally trending in the right, in like the same direction, like one blob of consciousness of what the fans, of what fans want. And so, you know, whether it's the English Premier League or it's the NFL or NASCAR, whatever it may be, you know, like we're all kind of working towards the same things. And you see a lot of the same innovation pop up from one club or one team to another. I think what COVID has shown though, particularly, particularly in the United States is that, um, 
every region between municipalities, local laws, regional laws, and um, and then just like general feelings towards how you handle COVID are really creating this like bifurcation of what fans are wanting and demanding. And so what it's done is, is it's really forced us to look at Georgia and Atlanta more so than the national, you know, um, mm. ethos uh, to see like, what do we need to go do here? And it's not to say we don't always listen to just our fans. That's one of our core values and something we do every day. But I think now more than ever, this regionalization has kind of popped up that makes us think like we really, it doesn't really matter what Carolina's doing or California's doing. What matters here in Georgia? What can we do? What do our fans demand? Um, and so that's obviously been a big, big factor. Um, that, you know, the last thing I'll say, and, and this one's kind of like almost like a sigh of relief is that it was a big affirmation. Like co- the, the majority of COVID is, is the impact is keeping people safe. Like the yeah. bottom line is it's how do you keep people safe and healthy? Um, you know, for us that really translates to how do we keep, cause I'll say we do a phenomenal job today in keeping our stadium safe, um, and, and clean, but, but you know, how do we make sure the Mercedes-Benz Stadium is the safest, cleanest place in Atlanta or in Georgia or on in the United States? I um, mean, that's really the effort we're focused on right now. But um, it's been an affirmation of a lot of other investments we've been making, albeit maybe for different reasons. So, you know, cashless, this is something if you talk to any sports club, is first and foremost, it's probably at the top of almost every stadium's list. And we were the first stadium to ever put it in. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, so like we, ho- we hosted a, a, a peer of mine hosted a call that to kind of like educate people on how we went about this and, and what we did and what the rate, what worked and what didn't. Um, and, and I believe that we had 980 sports organizations represented across globally on this one, one call. I mean, it was just, it was unbelievable the amount of interest there was in kind of learning from some of the stuff we've done. done. So you know, um, between cashless, digital, um, we've got, you know, our, our AT&T Wi-Fi network, the DAS, which is how cell networks kind of come in and power, um, you know, inside the stadiums that an AT&T provider of Verizon uh, client device can, can have a great signal in the stadium. Like those investments have paid dividends. And especially this investment in frictionless is also, or, or an emphasis in trying to, to make a more frictionless fan experience has also really led to this affirmation of like, okay, we're on the right track. We should continue to invest in these things. And, uh, and is that one of those things that it was, it was frictionless from the fan experience? Like it's, it's changed priorities almost like it was before cashless, I assume was, um, well, it's about efficiency. It's about uh, reducing loss in terms of, um, issues with, I mean, just the cost of even just counting money, all that kind of stuff, fraud, all those things, uh, reducing queues, all of that, whereas now it's a safety thing where you don't want uh, like a just a grubby note that someone's handing around. You don't want to have to ha- hand around that with staff. You also want uh, less queues, not only because you don't want people missing the action and, and kind of having to stand there and queue that they see a football game and they're not there to see uh, the back of someone's head in a queue. Um, but now it's also, well, you've got to keep six feet apart or whatever that is. So it's kind of like this... Um, change of priorities or shift of priorities? Is, is, is that where you're seeing it come about? I, I think it's, you know, for us, because the priority of getting to a more frictionless fan experience was there, it wasn't really a shift. It was more of a, you know, tack another um, uh, justification or business need yeah. on the list. And, and frankly, one that has probably superseded everything else. So, yeah. 
you know, obviously we want to enable a fan to be able to not have to wait in line. Like waiting in line totally sucks. Why should people have to do mm. it? But now more than ever, if we're going to enforce social distancing as an example, we can't have concourses that are filled with just tens of thousands of people. We have to be able to allow efficiency and to create efficiencies in the, the queuing process in our stadium. And so it's just really emphasized and kind of allowed us to, to double down on some of these priorities that we already had. Um, but, you know, just as I kind of was, as I, as I think about this, there were a few things that, that COVID has also done to us as a business that, you know, I'll say probably other clubs are thinking about, but, you know, every organization, this is probably top of mind, which one is, you know, we had to make some organizational shifts to be able to support this and to, to make sure that these priorities weren't just over on one side of the business, but not on the other side. Um, you know, it's it's created new councils, new program management, sort of like just new organizations. So we have like a project restart that we've got that's led by our COO. We have a project homecoming that's led by our um, chief human resources officer. You know, that's about getting our fans back in the stadium. Restarts about getting, um, you know, being ready to host events again. And what does that look like and how do we prepare for it? Um, but really building these muscles to, 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 to bring a pretty large organization and, uh, you know, metaphorically a, sh a ship and point it in one direction that's that's completely aligned towards COVID and kind of keeping fans and staff safe has been really um, has been really important. Um, you know, the 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 other thing was we had to step back and reevaluate uh, re like every priority we've got is like, d does this make sense in the mm. post COVID world? Um you know, and, and also similarly not over-indexing. I mean, there's certain things that, you know, the filter you almost want to look at is like, okay, if a vaccine comes out tomorrow, is this technology still going to be relevant? And obviously yeah. some things you may need to invest in in the short term, and it doesn't matter if a vaccine or COVID goes away, um, you know, you still need to do it for now. But I'll say a better bellwether and maybe a, a, the bellwether we're focused on is what technologies have um, that Venn diagram where they help COVID, but they also are useful even beyond COVID. And, and kind of what's in that overlap period is, is really kind of like a helpful um, filtration process for us to say, like, okay, this is a great thing to go invest in. Rather than, rather than going in as ripping out every, every chair for six feet and you just completely tear the stadium apart and you go, all right, well... It's, it would just completely turn everything on its head for this. You're absolutely right. I mean, it's because it, because you've got. I mean, there's 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 so many good ideas, and again, I you know I, I'm fortunate to work with a lot of true experts in what they do. Um, and so it's really been a lot of push and pull, and also just trying to educate ourselves. Um, mm. You know, the the last thing I'll say organizationally that's been um, uh, really important for us is 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 for us, it's affirming, but for a lot of organizations, it's probably building for the first time a set of principles. Um, we have core values and we've got a, a, a reasonable number of core values, but the ones I just call out are leading by example. So for us, you know, leading by example really looks like how do we make Mercedes-Benz Stadium the, the safest, most sanitary place and and set the gold standard for Georgia, for Atlanta, for the Southeast, for the U.S. Um, to, to, to follow. Um, putting people first, this, you know, one... To kind of go back to your question of like, how has COVID changed the view of fan needs? It, it also has changed the view of staff needs. And so mm. putting, putting people first, it's about putting fans first, but it's also about putting our staff first. I mean, we have, we have a lot, we have a world-class organization of 
game day um, uh, event workers who come out and who give literally our fans their all every single week. And, um, and we've also got to think about their safety and, yeah. and making sure that they can social distance and they've got the right PPE and you know, all these other things. So it's, it's also been an emphasis on how do we protect our staff and how do we make good decisions for everybody. Um, listen and responding. I mean, again, this kind of goes back to that regionalization. We do this core value for us translates a lot into surveying, talking to fans, looking at forums, et cetera. But it, now more than ever, it's about like, what, what will make you feel safe? Um, you know, mm-hmm. what, what are the types of things that you as a fan, an Atlanta Falcons fan, an Atlanta United fan, as an Atlanta concert goer, do you need to feel safe while at the stadium and, and making sure that we understand that? Um, innovate continuously is a core value of ours. And, you know, again, I, I think for us, I've, I've probably addressed this. Um, but the, the last one I'll say, and this one, you know, is probably the thing I'm most proud of with our organization is we have this, this core value of, of giving back. Um, and so our owner, Arthur Blank, is extraordinarily generous. Um, you know, we've, you look at our, you look at our stadium and we have this like, you know, it's this, it's this beautiful two million square foot structure. We've got parking decks all around it. You know, one of the things that we did early um, was start to start to, to donate to causes that really mattered a lot. And these causes have ranged, and I won't go into all the details, but the one I really just want to call it is we actually looked at our, our, our land that we sit on. We said, how can we use this? Right now, it's just sort of un, underserved. Um, and next door, our partners, the Georgia World Congress Center, they actually turned theirs into like hospital beds. So if like there was overflow mm. from Emory Hospital, they were ready for it. We turned our parking structures into COVID testing centers. Um, and this was important for, for two reasons. One is we've got this wonderful community on the west side of Atlanta that we wanted to make sure had access where they didn't have to drive. They could just walk up to actual COVID testing on demand as needed. Um, but But also you know, just like repurposing the space and building an acumen for what does COVID testing look like? Like if we ever Mm. needed to be in a position where we needed to test our staff on a regular basis, if there are, you know, FDA approved um, rapid COVID tests that can give you, you know, a confident measure in under 10 minutes. And we decided to bring that into our organization. Do we have the skills to do that? And so, you know, again, for us, like giving back, this was a, a pure donation. We invested in a, a company called Core um, or a nonprofit called Core, brought them out um, and have been doing testing ever since. But, um, you know, these are the types of things that I think COVID really brought to mind. Um, it's obviously still a learning process for us, but these, uh, you know, I'd say like in response to your question, these have been the, the things that have been most useful and most eye-opening. Yeah, 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 definitely. And it's, um, I mean, it's, it's good to hear that, that the values flow down to the technology used rather than the other way. That you, you have a cool technology that, that you think, oh, well, this would be great, we'll implement that, but it doesn't actually fit with the values, which is, as you said, serving your fans, serving your people, you know, giving back, all that, all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I mean, drilling into that frictionless fan experience again, and one of the things you mentioned is going cashless. Is there, is there any other innovative to call out one of your values again, innovative uh, projects that either are being implemented or kind of are just on the horizon um, at the stadium? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, again, I'll say what's really nice about this is outside of um, additional sanitation measures, which there are a number of, um, I won't go into detail on all of them, but, um, you know, outside of those, the majority of frictionless and kind of safety-related um, innovation 
that we're doing was, was, was already in the pipeline, was already like being funded, investigated, evaluated. We had contracts signed on a number of the things. So, so that's been really, really fortuitous for us and has, made, um, has enabled us to be much more agile in preparing for this. But um, the, the efforts that I'd call out, um, and they're all really related to, to frictionless, um, you know, you mentioned cashless. We were ahead of the curve there just because we did it, you know, a year and a half ago. Um, our network, I, I, you know, it's, it's so silly. It's like everyone's got a network. Everyone has Wi-Fi. But, but having one that's robust and rich enough to enable your fans, every single cell phone in your, your stadium to get reliable, quality, um, you know, high bandwidth Wi-Fi, either, you know, over a cellular network or over the Wi-Fi network, it, is, is paramount. And that has enabled mm. us. So that AT&T network has just absolutely made us light years ahead of most of our peers. The other thing is having a data processing layer. So for some of this stuff, you just want to bring it to the edge. Um, so we've got an IBM data center that's hosted on premise. That's just huge for us in terms of enabling like high density, high compute workloads. Um, so those, those things we were just ahead of the curve on. The innovations that we're now using those investments to build on top of include um, mobile order. Um, so we're partnering with um, with NCR, a really innovative organization, to to roll this thing out. Um, and you know, it's not like mobile order and express pickup hasn't been done before. Um, but you know, we we see this as an opportunity, kind of at least on paper right now, where we might be able to reduce every food and beverage transaction by up to fifty percent. Like, which is just a, which is a huge, huge number. I mean, that's a number that makes me get excited. Um, you know, and, and we're, we've tried to think about this thing differently. So doing mobile order only stands, whereas, you know, a lot of clubs will sort of just do one lane. We've really looked at this of like, how do we take on this problem? I mean, you, you go in any stadium today and you look at all the lines that exist. Um, and if, even if you, you do limited capacity, um, stadiums and you sort of linearly scale down the number of food and beverage locations you've got, well, you, you still have like lots of demand and lots of lines relative to the number of, of locations. And then you sort of compound the problem with, well, what if we need to allow, and you know, obviously for us, we are, um, enable staff to be able to social distance. So we, we maybe close down half of the point of sale terminals. How do we how do we meet that demand? So so mobile order express pickups are really big effort for us. Um, you know we'll start as a pilot. We're going to make sure fans like it. We're going to make sure it's a it's a world class experience um, because you know again we're not going to sacrifice on the the quality and the fan experience of it. But um, yeah. you know with these two partners we we feel like we're in a really really good position to deliver something innovative, something useful for fans. Where where half you know they, they can place their order from their seats, pay from their seats, and all they're doing is kind of walking up, scanning a QR code, and the food's you know given to them and they're on their way. Um, the second one that we're, you know, uh, we've piloted already and I, I think we're, you know, we're, we're very likely to bring it to organization, but I guess it's not final yet, um, is uh, millimeter bandwidth um, or millimeter wave security technology. So there's a company called Evolve out of Boston who we really like. Um, you know, this is an experience where you walk through a security scanner and most of the time you don't even know you went through it. Um, you don't have to take your cell phone out of your pocket. Belts aren't going to flag. Um, you know, our experience, we, we piloted this for a premium entrance at a, uh, NFL game last season, kind of, you know, first NFL team to, to, to bring in a technology like this. Um, I've got a VP of security named Joe Cooper, who's probably the most innovative director or vice president of security in all of sports. Um, unfortunately allows me to kind of, um, test stuff and, 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 you know, trial things. Um, so, yeah. so, you know, this, this, this test turned out to just be beyond. And if you think about like, like 
how we make decisions for, for technologies for our fans is we, we look, we use a model called the Cano model, um, which looks at like delighters, performance features, and then sort of table stake stuff. And, and we've, we've tried to look at like, what are the, what are the worst parts of the fan experience on, on game day? If, if your grandmother gets a pat down, like I don't care how good the game is. Like that was such a bad experience mm. when you walked in that that we we just we just believe we can do better. So so this notion of security matters a lot because it also matters for um, our staff. If we have to conduct a path, I now have to touch you. I can't social distance. Um, mm. And so you know that may and obviously there's still people working through this, but um, we may just not be able to do pat downs, which would mean if somebody flagged, we may just have to turn them away and and say you know go back to your car, take stuff out of your pocket, and try again. Obviously, that's not a good experience either. So we're really trying to be thoughtful about how do we make sure the fans can get in the building seamlessly and they have a good fan experience when they go through. So Evolve enables us to do that. I will say to a greater degree, there's a, a nice return on investment. Um, you know if if you if you do it right and you can be more operationally efficient but frankly it's yep. just a it's just a pure fan experience play for us that that um you know we think will be overall a better security uh experience for yeah, fans the speed and the ease kind of and, those two factors that it, that are really important absolutely the throughput's important and you know the thing is 100 percent of fans have to go through security like there is yeah. never a world where we won't put fans through security. So it impacts everyone. You know, I'll say today that our data suggests that about 30% of fans um, are impacted by a second screen. That may just be that they've got to sort of go back through, which holds up the line and makes the line longer for everyone else. Or worst case, they've got to go do a, you know, all the way to like a pat down and a more advanced screening. And and that is like getting rid of that 30% chunk is is like the my, one of my life goals right now. Um, mm. So, so that's that's another big one. Um, the third buckets uh, I, I refer to as NFC loyalty. Um, so this is kind of like beyond just an Apple Pay or Google Pay, a, a tap to pay with your card. Now this is a sort of a bi-directional way for us to both enroll people in loyalty and to 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 do loyalty transactions over the NFC protocol. Um, so so for us this is huge because we want to develop a better data layer for fans so that we can. We, we know more of what they want. Like we want to be able to, you know, we do a lot of surprise and delight at our stadium. It's your birthday. You know, Thomas, you come in, um, you know, we bring people cakes today, but if I were to see that you only ordered gluten-free options, I could give you a gluten-free cake, you know, like, yeah. like I, we're, we're, we're blind with a lot of this stuff. And so, you know, one of the things is we think that, that, that giving fans, we have this, we have a really, really rich loyalty program. It's a season ticket member benefit. A lot of our fans don't participate in it because they don't know about it or it's a little bit cumbersome. So just trying to make that more efficient, which again creates like a virtuous cycle of data where we can then do useful things with it, whether it's like putting the right assortment in. Um, you know, if we see that fans are walking from section 111 to 213 to go get a, a you know, an Iberian pig taco, well, maybe we should bring the Iberian pig tacos down to closer to 111. And so, you know, there's there's stuff like that that's that's insights that we just don't have today. We're blind to that we think we can we can enhance. And the nice part is that in doing this and kind of creating this carrot for fans to do contactless payments, um, you know, now you've got this other more frictionless experience. It's a faster transaction, and it enables them to go through. So again, that's in partnership with with NCR um, as well as probably Venue Next on this um, to to really land a great experience with that. Um, you know, the last thing that I'll I'll talk about here, which is which is one that I think is like a little bit. Um, 
probably further out uh, is um, is biometrics. So you've seen the advent of clear uh, edemia. Um, you know, they're in a lot of stadiums. They're not at Mercedes-Benz today. We're listening to fans. We just don't, you know, we don't have kind of the membership of these programs to to, to justify it at this point. But, um, you know, we're, 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 we're bullish on biometrics. Um, and, you know, we would only do it as like an opt-out sort of thing. So, so again, it's, it's, it's probably further out. But, but I do believe that, like, my big bet is that eventually security and ticketing will be combined into one step. And for, for yep. you to do that successfully, you've got, like, sort of a millimeter wave or a very frictionless security protocol that you're using, as well as some kind of biometric that you're, you're using, whether that's a fingerprint, an iris, something else. Um, so, so I'm bullish on that longer term. That's not a short term thing. But, um, you know, I think that that's something that we're, we're trying to kind of familiarize ourselves with that technology, at least internally. That's like myself right now, my boss. We're just keeping it in a small group, but um, trying, yeah. to, trying to and understand it's, that. It's certainly biometrics is one of those things that I think there needs to be a lot of education for fans um, out there. So the idea of, say, facial recognition or, you know, fingerprint IRS, it's, I think a lot of people can be uh, a little bit cautious about it, just thinking, all right, well, that's, you know, that's that's some very personal data, um, kind of brave new world, uh, don't particularly want to be tracked. Um, so I think there's, as you said, it's, a, it's that uh, education point for fans, but also you need to be thinking, teams and leagues need to be thinking about it now because if it gets to the point that, you know, rapid, rapid acceleration of that, or it just becomes accepted. Um, well, where were you? Where, where were you investing? Where were you thinking? Where were you learning? Um, you're going to be caught flat footed. It, it, absolutely. And we see a lot of use cases, you know, I mean, I, again, I think, I think Delta has a pretty great model where they allow, they basically just delete a picture after four hours mm. or six hours, whatever it is. So they're not even kind of holding this 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 technology. It's total opt in for for most fans. I'll, I'll say there's some exceptions to that. We would only do opt in, but um, you know, there's just there's a lot of good models that are coming out that that make it both useful and allow you to kind of realize the value prop without without data is being stored in perpetuity. And you know, I've got to go request for people to go delete something. Um, you know, so, so we're, 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 we're definitely interested and in, to your point, we don't want to be caught flat footed. So, you know, we're just trying to work, make sure that we don't go too fast for our fans, too fast for our organization. Um, but it is a technology that we think could enable some really, really cool scenarios down the road. So, you know, we'll, we'll see again, it could just be hand or fingerprint, you know, we're, we're yeah. playing by ear. But that's, I mean, that, that, that's, it kind of comes back to what we're talking about. If it fits with the values um, of the organization, then it's something that should be explored, but that doesn't mean that you, you have to rush to do everything at once. Absolutely. Yeah, great. All right, well, that kind of wraps up our time um, for today. Really appreciate uh, you sharing all those expertise, uh, Andrew. And just to finish it off, what is your favorite sporting moment of all time? Uh, so, so I am, I am a, um, I mean, I grew up in Atlanta, so I'm a diehard Atlanta Falcons fan. I would say, and it's funny cause, cause we're actually doing a sort of a, a social media promotion right now of like the top, um, the top, uh, play in Atlanta Falcons the last decade. Um, and I'll say like Dion Jones has a, has a couple of my favorites. Um, but I, I would probably say when Dion Jones picked off Drew Brees, two or three, his rookie season and took it to the house. That was probably the last time I, I remember like just jumping up and down, winning the NFC championship uh, in 2017. Like that, like 
That one's tough to beat. Um, I actually went as a fan to the Super Bowl, uh, and I will say the first three quarters of the um, Patriots-Falcons Super Bowl was just the best thing. I've just blocked <laughs> out the fourth quarter and beyond. As far as I'm concerned, like, that oh, is when yeah, the game ended. That's, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's, uh, I there know. was no – yeah, there's, 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 no, there's nothing. The, the fourth quarter is, is, is out of my memory. So, so, yeah, I mean, I've got a few of the Atlanta Falcons history. Anytime we beat the Saints, it feels, feels pretty good. All right, cool. Well, I'll, I'll try and find um, some footage of that pick six if we can. Um, awesome. And put that in there. So awesome. everyone, everyone loves that. Absolutely. Feeling. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Wonderful. Well, cool. Thomas, thanks again for having me on, and um, thanks for doing what you do. Appreciate it. There you have it. That was Andrew Shannon, Director of Emerging Technology for AMB Sports and Entertainment. Obviously, I mean, a lot covering there, basically everything under the umbrella of frictionless fan experience. Um, interesting innovation in the sense of always understanding what's on the horizon, um, but really waiting until there's a solid use case before you implement it. So I really liked his point um, around that Venn diagram, and it was kind of the opening quote, which we would have heard, but the Venn diagram between, well, what's going to help in COVID, but also what's going to help beyond that. Um, and I think that's one of the true hallmarks of innovation is is being able to quickly respond, um, but also understanding that it needs to be more than a gimmick. It actually needs to um, add genuine value to the organization um, and ultimately the fans, um, which they serve. And that was also interesting to hear about the values piece for the organization. That's that's something for me is um, kind of set it to, to Andrew off air. That's really nice to um, and refreshing. Um, to hear leaders in the space talk about, well, what's the the value that we're going for, the problem we're trying to solve, work backwards from there to a technology solution uh, rather than getting caught up in what's the latest tech. So that's certainly something I would kind of advise stadiums, venues, teams looking at solutions uh, in coronavirus is really think about, well, if a vaccine was found tomorrow, would this hold value for my organization? Um, but at the same time, can I reach that point of a vaccine without having this? So it's kind of the balancing point, um, but really thinking, um, is this a, a truly valuable project? Mentioned in the beginning, but always enjoy uh, continuing the conversations uh, prompted by episodes. Uh, you can contact me on LinkedIn, Thomas Alomes, or directly via email, thomas at sportstechworldseries.com. Until next week, uh, this has been Sports Tech Feed. Looking forward to seeing you soon.